Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. It's that little chico pit boom, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at negative to positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Babo, you know that you can get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Welcome to a brand spanking new episode of Collider Videos for your consideration. I'm Scott Nance, and the last time we saw you here at Collider FYC back on February 10th, world was a mighty different place. It was just the day after Parasite's historic win at the Academy Awards, and it was the moment when the mighty Jeff Snyder forked over 40 bucks after losing a spectacular bet. Lots of big changes in the world, lots of big changes to the Academy Awards, and we're going to get right to it with the one, the only, the amazing Perry Nemiroff. I miss your faces. Yay! And the ultimate contrarian, $40 poorer still, the mighty Jeff Snyder. What's up, Jeff? How am I going to pay my rent without that 40 bucks, miss? <laughs> it's good to be back. It's good to see you guys again. I'm glad right. you're both safe. Really, really great to see you. Hope you've all been safe, everyone, all the Collider fans, all the Collider FYC fans. So lots of big changes to the Academy Awards, including breaking news that the Oscars have been pushed back for next year. They were originally going to happen on February 28th. They are now going to happen, (laughs) we hope, on April 25th, 2021. Perry, what are your thoughts about the change, and do you think it's enough time? I got a lot of thoughts. First thing was I was hoping that they wouldn't push the ceremony back because I like the quality of the Oscars every year where it's almost like it's almost like a little time capsule. Like whatever wins that year reminds you of what was going on. And I was kind of hoping that they would just bend the rules this year to accommodate the movies that couldn't be screened theatrically and would just be streaming releases. But, you know, when I saw that April 25th, 2021 date, 
it came hot on the heels of tenant being moved two weeks. And most of the dates that I've seen recently for things shifting around are just downright absurd to me. So it was nice to see something that is realistically achievable. And it was also, it was kind of a nice reminder of what we can accomplish if we do push it back. I mean, this might just be a selfish reason, but the thought of, you know, moving to April when there is a possibility where there could be a vaccine that would allow us to do things like, you know, celebrate some of these movies as we have done in the past with Collider FYC screenings, things like that. So yep. the April 25th date did start to excite me for that reason. Well, you talk about uh, movies that were not screened on theaters, like, you know, uh, uh, streaming online. And th there's been some uh, changes in terms of uh, letting some of those movies be mm -hmm. eligible. But, Jeff, I want to get your take on the move, the new Oscar date. Is it enough time? Do you think that, well, it will be business as usual for the Oscars on April no. 5th? No. no. Every date that you've heard in the last three months and every date you'll hear from the next three months is just a placeholder. Um, I don't understand why they would move it to April unless they know that all these uh, like a whole bunch of awards movies are going to take advantage of the extension to the end of February. If, if I start to see studios date their awards movies for January and February, then OK, yeah, let, then let's hold it in April. But to me, I don't want to be talking about the 2020 movies in April 2021 when the year is a third over and then we're like shifting into blockbuster season like it's already the season already ran too long so while I understand why they had to make a move or at least you know announce their intentions to do so I I'm not a fan of this at all so okay. what was the alternative though for you Jeff did you want them to cancel the ceremony for 2021 outright Either that or you keep it where it is and we talk about the movies that came out in 2020, well, you know, no matter what those movies are, even if it's a smaller handful of movies. Personally, yeah, I do think that they should have canceled the, the ceremony outright and just had a ceremony in 22 that was here. You know, now the competition is the best movies that came out in these two years, because when you move this ceremony to April and you include January and February 2021 movies, now you're throwing off the 22, 2022 ceremony anyways, because that's a, now a ceremony honoring 10 months of movies. Well, I, I hear what you're saying, Jeff, but in terms of moving the Oscars uh, back to April, I look at it as as a return, a return to April because it wasn't that long ago that the Oscars were held in in March and even in April. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, that the Oscars for uh, the year that American Beauty won those happened in late April or around that time. You know, the early O's or the late '90s. But uh, listen, I, I think this is this is a placeholder. I think this is real wishful thinking. Uh, certainly everybody hopes the sooner that there is a vaccine, the better, so people can truly get back to normal and not have to worry about wearing masks and not have to worry about a surge in, in cases that could throw these dates off completely. But the eligibility uh, for the films that are qualifying for the movies of 2020 will now extend from January 1st, 2020 to February 28th. 2021. So, Jeff, you talked about movie screening in, in January and February that'll be eligible for the Academy Awards. Now, I see that as a good thing. What do you think? And then, Perry, what do you think? What, what about Sundance? So the movies now that play Sundance 2021, could those, you know, get picked up by Netflix and then released at the end of January, early February, and now suddenly those Sundance titles are eligible? I don't like it. If Jeff. Sundance even happens, though. 
Right. I mean, this is just going to be one big ripple effect. I understand the the immediate concern that comes with saying, oh, two months of 2021 are now going to apply to the 2021 Oscar ceremony. But think about the ripple effect that's going to happen to every single movie, whether they were whether they were something that was going to be dropped this fall in awards consideration for next year. But then also there's going to be a whole bunch of things that just wind up getting displaced based on where everything is crammed into in the first half of next year. So I do kind of get the feeling that if this date sticks, it's going to wind up balancing out anyway as far as the amount of movies go, or at least coming semi-close to that number where we wouldn't really notice the difference. I have two questions for you, Mance. Number one is, why do they need to make this announcement this morning? Why why do they have to make an announcement by mid-June? Why didn't they take their time and wait a few months to see how things play out? Number two, if you are a January or February 2021 movie, shouldn't you have the option to say, I want to compete, I want to, you know, compete against the 2020 titles or against the 2021 titles? Well, let's uh, let's answer your second question first. Uh, I think that in terms of like, Perry, you brought up Sundance and Jeff, you brought up Sundance. Uh, if, if Sundance does happen, and I agree, Perry, there's a chance that it won't, but if it does, if it does I think that there should be a rule saying that movies that play only at Sundance in January of 2021 should not be eligible unless they are, in fact, released in February uh, so that they, uh, you know, qualify for the Oscars taking place on April 25th. In other words, if the movie plays at Sundance, but it's not actually released in theaters or streaming, then it should not be eligible. So I think Sundance, it's a really good point that you bring up, but I think that it's a, it, there's an easy way to handle that. Um, the uh, uh, What was your first question again? <laughs> Just like, wh- why do they make the announcement? Oh, now, oh, well, well, I think the reason they made the announcement is because of movies that are scheduled to open in July and also because of the fall film festivals like Telluride, Toronto, and Venice, which are still on. New York is still happening at the end of September. And I think just because of all the planning that goes in, that goes into these award shows and the awards campaigning, I think it was important for the Academy to make some kind of decision sooner rather than later. They could change their minds. They could keep pushing it back further again if the cases continue to spike or if there's a delay in the pandemic. But I think that they were they were wise to make some kind of decision, even if they don't stick with it. At least they can start to plan. They meaning the studios, the distributors, the awards campaigners, the filmmakers, they could still start to make some kind of arrangement. All right. We have a little breathing room and uh, I'm all for I'm I'm happy that the the date was pushed back. Personally, um, I think it should have been pushed back to May, okay, but still kept the eligible films to the end of February, just to allow, you know, a little more time for everyone to get, hopefully, their vaccine shots and and more of a return. Perry, you look like you got something to say. So so two things here. I I don't even think that a rule with with uh, films hitting Sundance, if there is a Sundance Film Festival, is even going to matter because I think our assumption of what San- Sundance is and where it functions in the calendar, th- that would still not be a good option. I mean, usually the movie comes out at Sundance in January and then it doesn't get its official release till later in the year, closer to the ceremony. I feel like if they rushed it out like that, 
I, I don't think moviegoers' minds would necessarily be looking at those films for awards consideration just because we already have it pre-established what Sundance is and where it fits into that equation. Here's the question. Moviegoers, right? That is who we, you know, the Oscars are a TV show. But who are they a TV show for? Are they for the audience or are they for the people who star in the TV show, the, the actors, the industry, the critics, etc.? Like, will could there be a point where we are honoring movies at the Oscars that the that the audiences haven't even seen? Well, I think we've, that's been happening a lot over the last few years. You know, True. with 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 very few exceptions, most of the time, uh, the Oscars, the uh, the movies that are nominated for Best Picture in the acting categories. I would say 80 to 90 percent of them are for movies that really don't do well at the box office and don't really play outside of uh, New York, L.A. and maybe Chicago. But who are they making these decisions for? It's like you said, you know, you want to give studios and everybody a chance to, to plan their campaigns and that kind of stuff. So in that case, this announcement was made for them, not yep. with any pandemic safety or anything in mind. No, I think they were done with, with safety in mind, but safety for the filmmakers. I think this is all about, you know, this is this is more so that the industry itself can adjust. It's not so much about, uh, uh, you know, are, are the ratings going to continue to decline? Because I think like the the ratings for this past year or, the, you know, back in February for, for Parasite, uh, those ratings were like 28 percent lower than the lowest rated Oscars in 20 years or something like that. Yeah, I think they're more concerned, or I would suspect that they're more concerned with what this is going to mean for the ceremony and the value of the award going forward. That's another reason why I think the Academy put their foot down and picked this date, too, because the sooner they did it, the more a lot of other award ceremonies are going to fall in line and make sure the structure stays the same, where the pinnacle of award season is when Oscars are handed out. Yeah, I, I just don't understand and, and, uh, why the Oscars would press forward if it turns out. Let's say studios, you know, sh- Trial of the Chicago 7, West Side Story, those movies don't come out in theaters. And then we just have the streaming Oscars. It's just Netflix competing against itself, and then we're just handing them trophies. I don't understand that. Well, I, I think I think it's, again, I think it's a lot, it's, um, it's a lot safer to make a change now and to adjust later. And right now, the, the change is... It's it's not again, you know, this this could change. And, uh, you know, my guess is it probably will. Uh, I hope it doesn't. But at least at least the like I said, the filmmakers and the studios and the campaign campaigners and all that stuff, they can they'll have more time to adjust and make their plans. And uh, and look, uh, yeah, well, we'll, you know, we'll get to this in terms of uh, movies sticking to their release dates. But but if if. If things don't change, if things stay the same or even get worse, then, yeah, you can forget about people going back to the movies. You can forget about any of these movies that you just mentioned, like West Side Story or Chicago 7 playing in theaters. And you can forget about the Oscars taking place on April 25th, 2021. But for now, that's the date. And I think that things being what they are right now and they're talking about maybe we'll have a a vaccine by the end of the year, maybe, hopefully – Hopefully. But, you know, there were other changes to the Oscars as well. One of them being that instead of 24 categories, there are now going to be only only 23. And uh, what's your take, Perry Nemiroff, on sound mixing and sound editing being one category? I mean, I understand it from, you know, the programming perspective and how audiences view those awards, because if you did a poll, I would guarantee you 
a fraction of the amount of people that actually watch the ceremony understand the difference between the two. But, you know, sound in a movie is a really big deal. And now, you know, if you want to if you want to throw score into the mix, we're going to pare it down to how many categories to represent all that work. And there is a pretty distinct difference between mixing and editing to me as an outsider. I feel bad for them that more people are not going to be recognized for their specific achievement. But I also understand why the decision might have been made. But I I would be very curious to know what someone in that community thinks about this. And if they think it's kind of like a slight to their overall body of work. Yeah, the same number of people are going to win awards. They they increase the number, I think, to six. So there will be three editors and three mixers allowed on on a team. And that that will win best sound. I, I think that, you know, if you ask people in the community, like if you ask any community anything, there's going to be, you know, different opinions. Some people are going to be upset. But the truth is, is that it's not like ABC forced this decision on them for sake, the sake of time or anything. This was the, the sound division, the, the sound branch itself yeah. saying, let's combine these awards. So clearly there must have been some support uh, for it within the community. Uh, I don't see a problem with it. I, I think if it clears room for another award, whether it's best stunts or whatever, then, you know, maybe they stick with 24 awards. If it's 23, then we get a shorter uh, ceremony. And I, I like you said, I don't think anybody knows the difference between these two things. Yeah. Most people don't. And one of the other big changes, and this doesn't this doesn't take effect until the following year. So this won't affect the Oscars taking place, you know, for now on April 25th. This will affect the Oscars taking place in 2022 for the films of 2021. So for the first time since the films of 2010, there will be a lock, a lock for 10 best picture nominees it's not going to be between five and ten it's not going to be seven it's not going to be eight it's not going to be nine it's going to be a lock for ten and part of the a big part of the reasoning for that is to allow for more diversity in the best picture nominees and just like 10 12 years ago uh it was uh the motive was to get like a sort of a blockbuster type movie like the dark knight in there so what is your take on the lock for the 10 Best Picture nominees for the following year. Jeff, you go first. I'm of mixed mind. Like, I, I think it's a, it's, it's a good thing. I mean, I kind of like the guessing game of could it be seven, eight, nine nominees because it was almost never going to be ten. So I guess I like I liked that, but I also like that there's more certainty this time around. We all predicted ten nominees anyways, even if we only thought nine films were going to get nominated. Um, I, I just don't know that it is going to benefit the, the diverse movies. Like, who's to say that it will? It could just right. be... You know, big, dumb blockbusters getting in or more movies with white people. And then you only hear more uproar. So, uh, you know, it it could be a good thing. But I also think there's going to be years where there aren't maybe 10 movies that are worthy of a Best Picture nomination. You're going to be struggling to fill the field. So it all all depends. What do you say to that, Perry Nemiroff? I I definitely don't think we're ever going to be in a position where we're struggling to fill the field. I think that's where this extra guaranteed spot or spots is going to come in handy, especially when you think about how they're changing the Academy in general. It's going to be a much more diverse group of people voting for these honors anyway. And, you know, really, what is the downside with another movie getting honored as long as these extra spots wind up going to more unique films? It just it gives more opportunity to spread the love and celebrate films. Right, right. Now, I, I'm all for it. I mean, you know, like this past year, what, there were nine nominees. So, yeah, what's one more film? <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, so 
Now, the real start of award season is in the beginning of September with the Venice Film Festival. And two days after the Venice Film Festival, Telluride kicks off. And then maybe three days after Telluride ends, the Toronto Film Festival kicks off. And then at the end of September, you have the New York Film Festival. So right now, in one way or another, all of these festivals are still on after the Cannes Film Festival was canceled. And this past year, last year rather, the Cannes Film Festival gave us the Oscar-winning best picture that is Parasite. So Venice still on for September 2nd, Telluride September 4th, Toronto September 10th. Perry, my, my Toronto Film Festival roommate, what do you think? It, it breaks my heart to say this, but these things aren't happening. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know who anybody's fooling at this point. I'm a little surprised that someone out there hasn't taken a more significant step forward towards figuring out the virtual festival. And I know a lot of the sensitivity comes from the fact that folks want to see their movies up on the big screen, but I still think that there is, and you know, I'm not smart enough to come up with this idea, but there is something out there that has to make it possible to keep the festival vibe alive at home where it gives you that, that, you know, you're part of the premiere audience kind of feeling. I've said this before, but the only thing that I've done thus far since social distancing that has come somewhat close is the premiere event that they did, the virtual premiere event they did for Love Life. So they had a whole bunch of people that got, you know, their premiere invites, they were sent a code. And then that day you were sent a link and you used your code to access that link and be able to watch the premiere of the first two episodes live with everybody else who had the code. So if these festivals do continue, maybe press is given a certain amount of codes. Maybe people who would attend those film festivals are allowed to purchase those codes. And it's this one time only thing where you sit in front of your computer or your TV at the premiere date and time. And you all experience that movie together, even though we're all safe at home. Jeff, you were shaking your head like crazy while Perry was talking. What what, what was the reason behind that? I was just... I, I didn't even mean to. I think I was more sad than anything just thinking about Toronto. But, yeah, if Mark Fernandez called today and said, Snyder, uh, we're covering Toronto. Do you want to go? I'd have to decline the invitation. Like, I, I am not in any rush to go back to theaters, back to festivals. Uh, and, and that's my own decision. And I respect it if other journalists want to go. But I think that these festivals are going to have an impossible time of getting talent up there. I've right. said that before, you know, in, in articles. I don't know. If you're a multi-multi-millionaire, what, why are you in a rush to be around people? Like, I just don't even understand why you'd go back to work, let alone to go do press. Uh, and you don't know, you know, we're the unwashed masses. Like, you don't know where any of us have been. It's just, it's ridiculous. They're, these things aren't happening. You see, now, now here's the thing. You, you know, you're talking about how, like, ridiculous it is, the prospect of getting on a plane, being in close quarters, the prospect of being in a theater, even if you're sitting every other seat, every other row, you're still in a closed quarter. But yet in the last uh, or not the last at the towards the end of May, you had people going out in droves to vacation spots, lakes for hikes to the beaches. It was people basically said, you know, pardon my French, F this. And they just wanted to go out. Yes. So so. Uh, Two weeks ago, I did a poll on my on Twitter, 
usually, you know, I do these polls, you know, and I get maybe 800 people responding, maybe a thousand if uh, if I'm feeling lucky. But I had 5,200 votes. And the question was, with theaters reopening, with the restrictions, will you go if it's a movie that you really want to see? And so uh, 28% said, yes, I'm in. 20% said, maybe in a month. 20% said, maybe in three months. But the majority in the poll, which was 32%, said no way. And I got to tell you, I fall in that in that 32%. I mean, being outside, you know, if I, you know, just take a walk, it's one thing. But being in a theater, you're sitting there with a mask. Like, I'm not going to be relaxed. I'm not going to be focused on the movie. It's going to be weird, you know. So even if – I don't even know, like, when, when Tenet opens July uh, – what is it, the 31st? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm going to be talking about it right here on the internet. <laughs> Perry, <laughs> what are you doing? Warner Brothers – wait, Perry, Perry. Warner Brothers invites you to a press screening of Tenet at the Warner Brothers screening room – they promise that you'll sit every other row, every other seat. Are you in or out? Let's let's back up here. I've, I've gone through waves of how I feel about all of this. Because even at this, this point in time, we don't know anything for certain. And at first, with the information that we were given, my mentality was... While I'm sheltering at home with my parents who are older, there is no way in a million years I would do anything that would put them them at risk. Then that extended to there is no way I would do anything that would put someone else at risk, like a healthcare worker. So I think as long as I hold on to that mentality, it doesn't matter how badly I might want to go see Tenet. I'm not going to go out in the world and run the risk of spreading something. So until that's not an issue anymore, I am not going to crowded places. A private screening on the Warner Brothers lot for press where they probably had 20 employees cleaning all day, okay, and, and, and making sure everything was spotless is totally different. You have to judge the theatrical experience by the dirtiest, worst theater that there is, staffed by lazy 17-year-olds. And that is who staffs movie theaters for the most part. Jeff, but even in the example that you just listed, where they had 20 people cleaning that theater, you even said this before. Like, press, who who knows where we've all have been? It might not matter that they clean that theater thoroughly. Right. Someone who's sick might walk in there. Right, exactly. And, and I certainly you know, trust our colleagues the least in terms of uh, hygiene. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. You've been around some of these movie bloggers standing in lines at festivals? Oh, my God. Well, like, okay, like, listen, uh, Perry, I, I'm with you in that uh, I kind of, my feelings kind of come and go in waves. Like, part of me really wants to, well, first of all, I mean, I think we all really miss going to the movies. There's no question about yes. it. Um, but Part of me feels like, well, you know, if I'm super, super careful, but then I think, well, what if I infect someone else? What if someone infects me? What if I, what if I, someone infects me and I give it to someone else, you know, even though I'm being super careful anyway, there's too many unknowns. And then I started thinking, well, Toronto seems like it would be, it would be out of the question because, you know, getting on a plane and going across the border, you know, it's a foreign territory, probably not going to happen anyway. But what about Telluride? What if I drove? 
you know, it's only it's 12 hours. I could do it in a night. I could do it in a day. But still, you're looking at the same thing. You're going to be in a theater. It's not going to be the same. And also, Telluride's really, really damn expensive. And to go and spend all that money and not have a, uh, a fun experience is a waste of money. So, uh, but regardless of all that, uh, I do think, uh, I'm sharing the sentiment here that that I don't think things are going to move forward with any of those festivals as they are currently being planned. But if they did, let's say these festivals did happen, one distributor that is sitting out of the festivals after having a very, very big presence at these festivals last year is Netflix. Last year, between Venice and Telluride and Toronto and New York and Every other film festival that happened after that, you had movies like The Irishman, Two Popes, Marriage Story, Dolomite Is My Name, among others, playing at these festivals. And now Netflix is saying that if these festivals happen, we will not be there. So that means no White Tiger, no Hillbilly Elegy, no Mank, among other films. So, Jeff, what do you think about Netflix's decision to sit out the film festivals if they even happen. It's totally in keeping with Netflix because they don't need festivals for publicity. They don't need theaters. Think of just the average studio marketing a big movie. You see that trailer a year before it hits theaters. Netflix is in the habit of announcing movies a month before they even come into your home. Um, I I just think that they they don't need it. It plays directly into their strategy, all the rule changes, all the circumstances right now. And I think Netflix is going to end up competing against itself. There's no way that they're getting big stars on a plane to go to festivals, so I don't blame them. And then I think other stars are going to be like, well, look, if Gary Oldman doesn't have to go to this thing, why am I going to this thing? Right, right, right. Harry, what do you think of that? I think it's very similar to why the Oscars made the decision. I think it's them forcing the hand of all their competitors I think by them making this decision as early as they did, it was maybe a light attempt to try to change the rules in their benefit and to kind of prove a point early on. And, you know, I was just like I was thinking a lot about what they're doing with Tenet right now and how silly it is to be moving uh, the movie two weeks back. And I don't think this is the same thing with the Netflix decision, but. Borderline thinking that it's irresponsible on Warner Brothers' behalf to even do something like this, because I I do think it creates like a very negative uh, and unsafe uh, you know air to what's going on right now. And maybe if some of the bigger companies, and I know they got to make money by selling tickets, but maybe if some of these bigger companies took that respe- responsibility upon themselves and pushed these things to a more realistic date. Maybe everybody out there would just be more encouraged to hunker down and wait this out. Now, I'm not saying uh, I, that I'm in the rumor. I know what is actually happening. But you just said it was you know, potentially irresponsible of Warner Brothers to release Tenet. What if it's not Warner Brothers? Because as we saw, the New York Times, no quotes, but reported that it's Christopher Nolan who is the one who is pushing Warner Brothers to release the movie. Warner Brothers doesn't want to. Nolan wants to. And they want to keep him happy. And that's why they're doing it. So that is why I wrote what I wrote on Twitter about how Christopher Nolan, it's like, I just don't understand why this guy is forcing the issue so that he can be the guy who comes in and rides to the rescue and saves cinema. Well, with, uh, with Tenet being pushed back to July 31st, that means the first big movie in theaters now is going to be Mulan on uh, July 24th. And so far, Disney has not budged. 
But by the time uh, we all wake up in tomorrow morning, I mean, things are changing daily and sometimes hourly. And, uh, you know, I want to pose a question to our Collider FYC fans for a movie you really, really want to see that like whether it's Tenet, whether it's Wonder Woman 1984 or something else. That's a movie you really, really want to see. Will you see it in theaters? Comment below and let us know what you think. As for the few movies that did come out in theaters for the first half of uh, 2020, and the year isn't even half over, I just want to point out. Damn. Um, Okay, Perry, what is your number one favorite movie of 2020 so far? Well, it doesn't follow your rules because it didn't hit theaters. That's okay. Okay. Right, right now, my number one spot belongs to the platform. Okay. And Why? in my genre-loving opinion, I would think that the platform is deserving at this point in time of Academy oh, Award oh. honors. <laughs> Jeff? For, for best foreign language, I, I completely agree. I think it's a contender. And then that's another category, just like the visual effects categories and sound categories, which typically go to big summer blockbusters, right? Now there's no big summer blockbusters. So those categories are affected. Foreign language is another category that's affected because the entire world's release calendars is, is off. Uh, my favorite movie uh, of the year is a documentary. Um, there, it's actually two, two or three documentaries, but uh, Tread, Assassins, and Into the Deep. Assassins and Into the Deep were both at Sundance. They are both excellent. Tread went straight to VOD, and it's yeah, it's the best thing I've seen all year. Uh, I got to tell you, the best thing I've seen all year is The Invisible Man. I yes. saw that in theaters three times before the theater shut down. So the last movie I saw in a theater, which was uh, September, I'm sorry, uh, March 9th, which I, no, March 8th, which I think was a Sunday, uh, was The Invisible Man. And, you know, that film, in some ways, I look at it as the get out of 2020 because it's from Blumhouse, it's from Universal. It came out the same weekend that Get Out came out uh, in 2017, which was, you know, the uh, uh, last weekend of February. They both cost practically nothing. Get Out cost $5 million and Invisible Man cost seven. And they were both about something. They were both uh, socially charged films. You know, obviously Get Out was about tolerance and Invisible Man was about the Me Too movement. Um, but I just thought it was inventive and brilliant and super intense. And watching that film... Like every time I look at a at a doorway and nobody's standing there, I'm thinking, is somebody actually there? And Elizabeth Moss just absolutely crushed it. I wouldn't expect a movie like The Invisible Man to get nominated for Best Picture under normal circumstances, but I think it should. And I think Elizabeth Moss should get nominated for Best Actress because she's great. And also Spike Lee's The Five Bloods really knocked my socks off. Uh, what a an incredible film. Uh, definitely perfect timing for a lot of reasons, but it's just a great film by by every measure. And Delroy Lindo, Delroy Lindo in The Five Bloods is phenomenal. A tour de force. Watch The Five Bloods right now. It's streaming on Netflix, and it'll it'll rock your world. Delroy Lindo is absolutely fantastic. All right, let's move on to. Movies that you're looking forward to, just a couple, so we don't uh, run too long here, that are now opening supposedly between July and February of 2021. Perry, give me like three movies that can't wait for. Oh, 
Easy. Um, I will definitely say Tenant because that is the obvious choice. I have seen enough promotional material that in addition to just knowing that it's a Christopher Nolan movie, I'm dying to see it. I'll also add White Tiger to my list. I'm a big fan of Ramin Barani's. He was a professor of mine at grad school. And I know I just greatly admire his work and it doesn't matter what he does. I will always circle his upcoming projects and make them a priority. And the other one, as a huge Pixar fan, I have to say Soul. My favorite Pixar movie at this time is Inside Out. And I feel like these two movies are tackling it some tackling something extremely internal that would sound like they were impossible to actually fully dive into in like a big screen kid-friendly animated format. But after they did what they did with Inside Out, I have a feeling that not only could Soul be a great entertaining film, but it's also something that could potentially teach you about yourself a little more. So that's high up on my list as well. You know, it's great that you mentioned Soul, and it's great that you mentioned Inside Out. Both of those movies are directed by Pete Docter, who also did Up, which is one of Pixar's very best films. Uh, Jeff, what are your three must-see movies for the next eight months? I've got five. Okay. Five performers. Here. Let's hear Riz Ahmed in The Sound of Metal, where he's playing a drummer who's losing his hearing. I heard he's amazing in that. Jesse Buckley in Charlie Kaufman's I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Uh, I cannot wait for that movie. It sounds great. And I'm not a big fan of Charlie Kaufman's directorial uh, directorial uh, work. Gary Oldman in Mank. Mank, Spencer, yes. He got me. Rada Blank in the four-year-old version. I've heard nothing but good things about that black and white Sundance movie that she also directed. And then the guy to keep an eye on, who we, we kept an eye on a couple years ago, and he it was one of the most disappointing award season showings I've seen in ages Matt Damon has two movies coming back this year. He's got Ridley Scott's The Last Duel and Tom McCarthy's Stillwater, hoping for a Matt Damon comeback. Yeah, yeah. You know, you mentioned Mank. Is a Mank is on my list as well, and it's a it's a it's a Netflix film. And and I just want to say about Netflix skipping the fall film festivals if they happen. But regardless of what happens in theaters, Netflix has really been benefiting the most from the stay at home. And for all these people who are going to be stuck at home, potentially going into the fall, and they're going to have these great Netflix movies to watch, I think Netflix is going to be in its best position yet by far to really not just get nominated, but to actually take home some stuff at the Oscars. And Mank, which is directed by David Fincher, which is about the making of Citizen Kane. And here's a film that is about the making of movies. And we know that the Academy loves movies about the movie business. So that's up there for me. Also looking forward to The Trial of the Chicago 7, written and directed by the amazing Aaron Sorkin, who's just, I think, the greatest living screenwriter working today. It's a timely and relevant story about the 1968 protests outside the Democratic National Convention. Uh, It's got an amazing cast. I can't wait for that. And I am very much looking forward to Steven Spielberg's take on West Side Story. I just uh, the original West Side Story from 1961 is streaming right now on Netflix. And I just watched it again. And boy, but that movie hold up. But I can't wait to see what Spielberg does, does with this movie. Also, also, as Aretha Franklin in the film Respect, Jennifer Hudson I, I it's one of those trailers watching Jennifer Hudson as Aretha Franklin. You just want to go give her the Oscar now. But uh, I'm really, really looking forward to that. That's supposed to come out. Uh, all things, uh, you know, hope, hopeful on this on December 25th, Christmas Day. But uh, 
Wow. I, I mean, I, I really, really hope we get to do FYC in the fall and that we get to do it like we did it last year and that we really get to just crush it and we have all these great movies to talk about and cover award season. I really, really, really hope that that happens. Uh, but regardless, it is great to see your gorgeous faces, Jeff and Perry. <laughs> <laughs> you too, Scott. Well, Thank you. Uh, nice to you guys. So, so, Perry, what's your Twitter? Where can people follow you? You can catch me on Twitter and Instagram at PNemroff. And uh, check out the Collider Interviews YouTube channel. I've been doing a lot of work over there that I'm kind of proud of. And, Jeff, how about you? Uh, I am at the Insider on Twitter, Instagram, and Cameo. And stay tuned later this week for the top 10 Joseph Gordon-Levitt movies. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter and Instagram at MovieMance. Make sure you like this video. Make sure you share it with movie fans. So we haven't done an FYC since February 10th, and it feels great to be talking about movies and award season again, even though things are very different. So please like us. Please make sure you subscribe to Collider Video. Please make sure you listen to our podcast version on iTunes and review our podcast version. And you can catch me doing separate film content on my own YouTube channel, just called Scott Nance and I got new movie shows on there so please subscribe there and ladies and gentlemen the amazing Perry Nemiroff the mighty Jeff Snyder from everyone here at Collider Video please continue to stay safe and FY see you later Stay little chico pitbull Mr. 305 better said Mr. Worldwide and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast from negative to positive brought to you by my friends over at State Farm I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just 2 bucks on the one 2 3 menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.